You could spend an hour and a half trying on jeans and walk out with nothing? Yes, I can. I spent five minutes going to where the jeans are, picking them up and walking to the counter. (laughs) Exactly right. This is the One Step Better Podcast. Helping small businesses make wins each and every week. Welcome back to another edition of the One Step Better Podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today is a special treat. We have a couple of people. This is one of our first times, I think, doing a three-person podcast, and so this is going to be fun. Uh, We have Shelby Betts. Shelby has been on the podcast before. You most likely know her. Uh, Shelby leads a lot of our sales efforts, makes sure that we are doing the right things with our customers and keeping them in line. And then we have a new face, never been on here before. This is Casey Salisbury. Casey is the boss of everything here. Um, she <laughs> makes sure that Shelby is in line with what she's saying on her end. Yes, make sure that our team is online on the operations side doing what um, Shelby is saying that we're going to do. Uh, it keeps everybody uh, rowing in the right direction. Casey is actually our client success manager, um, leads all of our customer service efforts, uh, and does a phenomenal job uh, uh, with that. And so Welcome, Casey. Thank you very much. Casey's probably a little bit nervous, and so um, if she messes up at all, make sure that you send her an email and let her know, hey, you messed up. If you can give her some time stamps, (laughs) that'll be even better. Some complaints at my guess it works. Hey, at three minutes and 30 seconds, you coughed in the microphone. Something like that, that would be amazing. It would be awesome. Um, Here, we're going to get started today with our, our fun icebreaker question, and this is it. Would you rather have somebody pick out your outfits for an entire year or change your home decor for an entire year so i'll kick off the answer here um i think i would have to go with the picking the outfits um i have a very dear friend of mine who um, has actually been inside my closet and said oh my gosh casey my mother wears these clothes oh, no. so <laughs> i i struggle with um fashion sense and so that would be helpful i like my home um it's full of all my personal you know, trappings and do you have kid, a lot of pictures stuff and... in your house? Not really. We're not we're not super um, like tchotchke type people, but I have a lot of pictures and your walls um, are full. Yeah, yeah. I love um, memories and that kind of thing. So that so nice. yeah. What would you choose, Mike? Both, as much <laughs> as possible, all of the things. If I could have somebody do everything in my life for me. I would be okay with that. Boys already have an easy on clothes, though. It's the blue shirt or the green shirt today. <laughs> it's not even that. Right? It's the order that my wife hangs them up in my closet. It's whatever's next. I already have that yeah. done. I already have that. And uh, to be honest with you, I haven't done anything in my house ever. So um, uh, I already have both of these, basically, and it is the best thing ever. I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> To not have to make decisions about what I'm wearing in any given day. You guys are probably like, yeah, he's not making decisions, I can tell. Um, or not have to worry about how my yeah. house, like, decor is. It's like, I just go in and it's yeah. great. The trick to this is if you have a good lady in your life. Meredith does a phenomenal job That's this. the truth right there. Yeah. yeah. So I need a, a nice lady in my life to That's right. take care of these things. <laughs> what would you pick? Oh, I'm similar to Casey. I would certainly choose clothes. Um I, I, you know, I miss the high school days when you got to wear a uniform just because, you know, there's only three things to choose from. 
And um, sometimes I think about, you know, the capsule wardrobes where they're like, okay, you have six pairs of pants and five shirts and, yes. you know, three different shoes. Really? And sometimes I think, gosh, it would just be so much easier to just, you know, pare everything down. Uh, these are the six things that I wear all the time. How much time do you spend a day thinking through and picking out your clothes for the day? Uh, Is it pretty quick? Clearly not that much time. <laughs> um, but I think it's really just the, it's one more choice that has to be made in a series of a thousand Was it you know, Steve Jobs that like, he wore the same thing every yeah. day so he didn't have to, use brain energy yeah I, I think there's something to um, that yeah that, that's i'm sure there is smart approach i think i don't how much brain energy does it take though? <laughs> i mean i don't know i haven't had to pick well my you stuff haven't seen forever. my closet so <laughs> <laughs> now i'm perfectly fine picking out my clothes when i'm just staying at home because i'm the sweatpants and the sweatshirt and <laughs> yeah um you but know. you walk out the door and it's oh, yeah if i if i have to be seen then it, it's a little bit more of a challenge yeah and you know in my job it's tough because you know you want to match energy with people and so you know i know if i'm meeting with like a banker i'm, I'm probably gonna wear a jacket that day dress up a little bit <laughs> you know because you can't meet a banker oh. without a collar on and so that's a little bit exhausting so yeah I, ideally i would just hand someone my calendar and say good luck make it work yeah and i bet i'd look nicer too so oh well this is this should be a new business that people start. Is, yeah. is this a thing? Do people already do this? Well, Stitch Fix probably comes close, like the subscription yeah. models. Oh, yeah, Meredith started doing that. Yeah, and that's I'll tell nice. you, my my friend, she really could do this. She is the only person. I will spend an hour and a half trying on jeans at the store mm. and leave with nothing. She has literally showed up at my house three times now with three pairs of jeans I'll that fit. fit like a glove. That and I'm like, I wasn't even mind. around you. How did yeah. you do this? I can't do that you on my own. You could spend an hour and a half trying on jeans and walk out with nothing? Yes, I definitely. can. I spent <laughs> five minutes going to that. where the jeans are, picking them up and walking to the counter. Yeah, that's men shopping. That's not women shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how it's different. This is my, I don't have brain power to compute. Yeah, if you're a fashionista out there and you're thinking, I think I want to start a small business, <laughs> that I would hire you. Yep. you Send me what I need to wear for the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I send it back. You fold it. Like you clean service. it. Yeah, we just keep it rolling. That'd I would, I would I certainly like pay for that. Then all I have to have in my closet are my sweatpants. So. <laughs> exactly. And then it's what pair of sweatpants am I going to wear today? That's right. That's oh, not a goodness. hard choice. It's black or blue. So What's ever next? <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. I don't have wardrobe on that side. Gracious. Well, I know that for me, not having to pick these things out is super, super helpful. The hard part for me, though, is like when is it time to get new clothes? Because um, I wear the same clothes over and over and over again. Probably have the same shirts. And so changing out my wardrobe is a different story. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it is uh, just more things to think through. You have to make time for it. Changing is not always easy for me. And that brings us to what we're talking about today. Uh, and that is uh, changing out some different sy systems within an organization uh, so that you're moving your business forward. And the reason that we're talking about this today is a couple of reasons. One is we're moving into a new season of the year. If you guys have noticed, it started to get a little bit warmer outside. Mm. The sun is out longer, thank the Lord. Um, there's a new energy in the air, and it's not just the pollen. Uh, mostly so the pollen. Mostly the pollen, right? Um, your cars are covered in green Ooh. right now, especially here in Memphis. Uh, but it's just, this is always a time of the year in which people are looking to do something a little bit different. It's mm -hmm. just in the 
natural calendar um, change is occurring. Um, And so one of the things that we always run up against a lot of times in in the business that we're in, the work that we do, is we help people navigate through some of those changes. Um, if you think about what we do is we're implementing different systems, whether it's software, whether it is processes, whatever it is, to help businesses move their organization to get in our, you know, we talk about this on the One Step Better podcast, right? To help our organizations that we work with get one step better. One of the things that frequently comes up in that conversation is how do I roll this out internally? Um, a lot of people see change as disruptive um, and they think change is going to be really difficult. That's not always the case as long as you have a good game plan behind it. And so the reason that we have Casey up here is because she is on the front line of helping our clients, our new clients specifically, integrate change inside of their organization. She is the first person that we talk to on the operation or that you talk to on the operation side to help walk through that process. And she walks through the, every single step of the way. Um, to help people change. And so her expertise is going to be super helpful for having this conversation. Shelby is on the front end of that conversation, helping identify opportunities that an organization has for change. And so I want to start with you, Shelby. Whenever you're walking into a company, I mean, we've already gone through, let's pretend like we've already gone through some discovery. We already know what they need. We've already, you know, talked about it. Now we're ready to start rolling. Um, what are some of the questions, some of the fears that you're running into with people now that they've made a decision, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do something different? What are some of the fears that you're running into initially? Yeah, most most owners um, or you know leaders that are looking to make changes within their organization are afraid of two things. Primarily, if I've made a bad decision and this goes poorly, this is this decision is going to reflect badly on me. And so uh, there's some personal investment that's involved, which is if I choose the wrong vendor or I choose the wrong solution, this is going to be you know something that people make fun of me for or I get fired for. And so I think initially, honestly, some of the changes. You know, I may have made this change before and it didn't go well. And so now if I make the change again, is it going to go bad? And is that ultimately going to cost me? I think that's one fear. Um, And then I think the other fear is what you alluded to, which is now that I am making this change, I'm moving forward. What does that pathway look like? They know what's broken. Hopefully, our team has done a good job of helping them imagine what's possible. So we want to try to paint a good picture for here's what it could look like. You know, try to help them see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, get their hands around. This is a process and a you know a system that you could have that could work better than your current solution. But still, ultimately, outside of the did I make a bad decision, it's the okay now that I've made it. How is this going to affect every single person in my organization? Because at least with our systems, our systems touch everybody from the C-suite down to an employee. And so if that's not a happy system or a solution that everyone can work in and work with, it's that fear of, you know, oh man, this is all going to be really painful for me. So I think most of the fear is around the personal, if this goes poorly, what's next? (laughs) I'm going to lose my job because I made this decision. (laughs) To some instances or to just, I'm going to have to deal with the in and outs of the frustrations of getting people up and running. And so Casey, as they're moving on from Shelby's team to your team and getting into the process of actually integrating whatever it is that they're buying, do you find that they still have those same fears or has that been kind of calmed down at your point? Um, so I think when we first get started, it, it's definitely something that we address. The big fear that I think I run into is, you know, I'm not going to be able to, to 
figure this out in time or I'm not going to be able to communicate it well to my employees. And so um, we do kind of talk about it at the beginning. And I think uh, our goal is to make sure that you are fully equipped with all of the functionality and understanding of the system itself. And so uh, we'll walk through the processes we get into the training piece and then we revisit and revisit and revisit um, however is needed and so we want to make it as smooth of a process as possible um, knowing that uh, learning something new takes you know time and, and can be nerve-wracking but um, we're here to help through it also i don't think that's super uncommon with any decision that anybody makes especially major decisions you think about you buy a car you buy a house yep. you change your insurance you know health insurance you any have a kid whatever it is <laughs> there's always anxiety around big decisions yeah, the what unknown. if this like what you mentioned what if this doesn't go poorly what do i not know that i probably maybe need to know and then you're also you're changing what you what you're used to using i remember so a few years ago, I bought a new car or a, a new to me car, and um, it was the first non Ford car I'd ever bought. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've had you know, four or five cars, however many before that, they were all Fords, mm -hmm. and I knew where all the buttons were. And this was a GMC, and that's not Ford, and the buttons are somewhere different. The car does exactly the same thing as every car I've ever had. But I remember uh, initially just kind of being maybe a little bit frustrated by like, hey, the yeah. power button on the stereo is not right there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's in a little different spot. And it was just something different. And that's not uncommon for business owners and leaders as they start to encounter change inside of the organization. Recently, Sherm put out an article that says HR leaders has at least five different systems that they're using mm -hmm. for their job. Um, and you start talking about disparate systems, HR leaders, they know that pain. And in their world, you use the term, you know, what is, a, what is, you know, what, poss what is possible? What is, you know, if in a perfect world, if you could just paint the picture using your imagination, what is possible? Um, a lot of times getting rid of five different systems is something that is, is ideal. <laughs> yeah, because now I don't have to worry about it. And all the things that we've talked about a lot of times um, about having different systems. But that can start to pose some problems for the actual people that use those systems. Absolutely. And in our organization, that is every employee in our client's business, which is has the potential to be um, extremely, extremely painful. So Shelby, talk to me a little bit about how you overcome the fear of I am afraid I'm buying something that's not what I really need. I don't know what I don't know. Um, if I make this decision and it points back to me that I'm going to be in trouble, how are you overcoming those fears uh, with the people you're talking with? Sure. Well, I think it starts with a good analysis of where they are and also where they're trying to go. Um, most similar to us, when you're a growing organization, you've started with a solution set and vendors and partners that may have been perfectly suited for who you were five years ago. And so now you're using systems and processes that were built for five years back. Well, technology's changed a ton. My people have changed a ton. And so a part of the overcoming it is just helping them see what you started with, you may be ready for a different level. And I think for a business owner, and particularly in a small and mid-sized growing business, they may not even see how different their organization yeah. is. So as the owner, hey, this has always been my baby. This has been my business. Uh, but you may now have a couple of key leaders in your organization who are feeling the pain of, I need more structure around my department. Now, owner may still see, hey, this is still my business. Policies are good. Everything's good. While a, a you know, key owner responsible for or key leader responsible for four or five people, six or seven, ten, they see some definite needs of I need it to be different for these people. 
And so I think a part of the overcoming is helping them see, hey, where are you trying to go long term? And do your solutions that you have today, are they, they may be working, they may could work better. And that's a part of who we are. We want to help you get one step better. Um, But also too, let's think through where do you plan to be in 10 years from now? If we can build systems and processes and put people in place to get us to 10 years, well, I would much rather have that solution, even if it's a little bit like too big for me, um, than run the risk of I've got 17 systems and technology that I've layered on top. 17 different people that I'm talking to that it just gets a little exhausting and so I think a part of the overcoming is again not just helping them see what's possible but also really diving into where do they want to go as an owner and then providing some solutions that are addressing their current needs but will also address their future needs when you do make the change you don't have to make that change every year you could make that change once and be in a great solution for five years or three years or two years it was I had a conversation with a, a business owner just a few weeks ago, and that conversation was around in today's environment, we want to do something different in our POS systems and, and how we are actually taking customers' orders. We want to make that a quicker process because there's dealing with a ton of labor shortages and the ability to hand stuff off has been very different now. Sure. And so they're looking at POS systems that have like the mobile tablets that their servers could take their order, punch it in right at the table, get it to the kitchen instead of the traditional, I'm going to write it on my notepad, then take it to the terminal, punch it, you know, all that type of stuff. And their, their biggest fear was, can my employees keep up with this change? Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately thought of that whenever we were talking, whenever this topic came up, because how you communicate that change makes a big difference on how it's going to get received. Because if you go in there and say, hey, we're changing our POS system, you got to go learn this new system, have a great day, have it done by Friday, you'll have a handful of your employees that do that. And they'll do it somewhat reluctantly and there'll be, you know, griping in the background of like, oh, we got to make another change. I don't want to learn something new. Or you can go in there and say something like, hey, you know what, guys, the world is different now. You know that already. And we have to be able to keep up with some things and make some changes in order to always continue to serve our customers. And so this is one of those changes that we're going to make and this, you know, and, and, and structure that conversation different than we're going to do something new get on board or go somewhere different. And most people, you know, they're not making, uh, you know, decisions that just to piss people off, but sometimes they could be construed that way. And I think it's always important to remember why we are making changes from a, a communication standpoint, especially to the people that we're talking through. Why are we making this change? In your world, Shelby, you talk with business leaders who are making this change because they may see a picture that is... I don't know. Um, I understand that we have five different systems and that's frustrating for you as the HR leader. And we have to have these systems talk to those systems and then things get dropped or whatever. They're not necessarily making the change because I want to change systems. It's because I have a bigger vision in my brain about what that's going to look like whenever we're done with this. And remembering that why and communicating the why, not what, but why, I think is super, super, super important. Now, Casey, on your end, you're dealing with the person that's actually implementing these changes. Have you ever ran across a situation where you have somebody on your call that is 
begrudgingly moving systems because, well, my boss said that we have to do this and they just had a bad attitude about it? Or has it always been rainbows and sunshine? Oh, no, I've I've definitely come across um, those that are hesitant to that change. And and I, like I said, I think it goes back to the fact that um, when we when we are familiar with something, we feel competent in it. And when something new presents itself, we suddenly feel um, inadequate you know, in our role, whereas before we didn't. And so I think there's a little bit of hesitation there sometimes. Um, but I've also had the joy of watching uh, the bridge get crossed where, yeah. you know, uh, you know, initially they were um, concerned and they thought, you know, this is this is laid out different. I don't understand. I don't know where to go. I don't know what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, as we kind of walked them through um, the introduction to our software and 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 help them along uh, with that, you know, with the steps that are needed for that change, um, I would say more often than not, in fact, um, pretty much almost all across the board, I I get the feedback of, wow, this is really a lot better. Like I'm so glad that we did make this change, even though that there was that reluctance and, and hesitation. They have at that first. light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah, because once you become familiar with the, the updated technology and 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 the fact that we have kind of you know all things in one place, um, you you kind of realize how inefficient your time was, yeah. pr you know, before that. And um, and I think it's a good thing for the employees, too, that they don't feel like they have uh, limited information or, you know, I can I can get my paycheck over here, but I have to look at, you know, um, you know, updating things over here. Everything is all together for them as well. And um, I think everybody really, really, really wins um, by the end of the, the transition. Yeah, I think that's a good point because businesses are not really unlike kids. They grow up and there's different phases. You know, if I go buy Cameron a pair of shoes that fit him two years ago, well, that's not going to work today because the kids grown up 18 feet, it seems like. Um, and so they, it, they're different today. A business is the same. They follow a life cycle. And what worked five years ago doesn't always work today. The difference, I think, is a lot of the business that we work with hire people that are pretty sharp and, and they're smart and they're capable and they like to do what their job, and they do a good job on it. And a lot of times though, that means that they're going to figure out how to make that broken system work for them regardless. Cause they have to, right. if I don't do that, then I lose my job mm -hmm. and they don't always think through how can I change this broken system to one that works because they're so stuck in that I got to make the broken system work. Um, but then somebody comes along that says, hey, you know what, maybe there's a better vision here. Uh, you know, I have a, an idea. Let's look at making those changes. And getting those those frontline doers on board with that change is not always easy. So uh, like back to what I said earlier, always communicating why we're doing this. This is what we're doing, sure, but this is why we're doing it. And if you can paint that vision and tie it to what your actual mission and vision and values are as a company, then you're going to be able to get buy-in a lot quicker. Um, than just, we're going to go flip everything on its head. Yeah. And I think another way to help, like just uh, build buy-in is really, you know, you've typically in an organization, at least from my standpoint, you've got a visionary or an innovator, yeah. and then you've got an implementer, very much the, I'm the blocking and tackling. If you think about my own relationship, like my husband and I, he's, he's an accountant. So he is thinking through all of the steps. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just thinking about the journey. Like as long as we're hitting these guideposts along the way and the end goal is here, happy. Meanwhile, he's like, but we, we missed this exit and we're not getting there. 
there. If we're on the set, you know, I'm like, well, we can get back you're, on. In your mind, you're already on the Appalachian Trail. Right. And Kevin is like, no, I got to get off on exit 60 in precisely. order to even turn. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, no, we can't get to the end of the trail if we don't get to this campsite first. Yeah. Right. Um, but I see that a lot in organizations and businesses, too. And I think one of the ways that a visionary can help build some of that buy-in is really grabbing that implementer and yeah. saying, cultivating the just the mindset that change is disruptive. We can acknowledge yep. that it is, right. but we can also build a culture where we say, if we're going to make a change that is going to be disruptive for 90 days or for you know, a couple of months as we get up and running, is the end goal worth it, which is greater satisfaction to my implementer, yeah. happier people, and, and helping your you know visionary with, I think, a, just a good practice is whomever that person is, if you're willing to bring alongside that person that's really thinking through all of the blocking and tackling, it will just be a smoother transition for you anyways because you've gotten the buy-in from someone who says, okay, yeah, these are the way all my systems are working today. Yes, this does sound terrifying, but I do see that, hey, this vision that you're presenting is possible. And I think if you can get one of those key people in the room and on your side as that visionary, you know, implementing that change throughout your organization is going to be so much more positive because you have asked for input and feedback from someone who's very critical to your team getting implemented. And the visionary spot is relatively rare in an organization. Like it's not that there's only one person in the world that can do this stuff, but that per that's not the majority of your people in your organization are not that Mm -hmm. they're typically going to be the implementers. They're the doers that can get stuff done, which is, it's a different personality. Yeah. Uh, and the quicker that you can get an implementer, an integrator onto your vision, the quicker you're actually going to experience that change happen with the least amount of disruption possible. The, if you're, if you know right now, hey, you know what, I need to go change my AMS or ERP or you know whatever initial CRM that you want to uh, apply, the quicker you can get somebody else that is in the weeds. Um, but has a good spirit about it because you don't want to bring those people like I don't want to change anything like I should, you, oh, that's not fun right mm-hmm. but it has the right spirit of I want to do things better mm-hmm. the quicker you can get them involved the the better you're going to be and the honestly the visionary will win more the quicker they get those type of people involved I think it's super important to do now Casey in your world as you get into the weeds with the integrator you're always going to uncover at least it's been my experience that we will always uncover things that we didn't know about that Shelby never could have possibly figured out. Because right. that person that you're Shelby talking to is in a different seat than the person that we're talking to on the operation side. Definitely. And there's always going to be something that you uncover. And when those things pop up, how do you go about making sure that the the, the person that's making the change inside of an organization, um, how do you go about making sure that they understand this maybe isn't a big deal, or maybe this is a big deal. How do you start to navigate that with them from an emotional perspective? I like to actually just uh, begin with letting them know that we we have a solution to the problem that uh, we've been able to identify, and that that way we can kind of move them into um, making that change with the confidence that they're not in it alone, um, where we can help them to see that end goal, even from the beginning, and so when I bring it up, I, I typically say, you know, so we've noticed something, you know, we've noticed this or, or we noticed that uh, you're managing something in a fashion that uh, can be more streamlined, yeah. you know. Um, See how nice she is where I would say, yeah, this is this a really is weird thing you're doing. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but, but in doing that, I, I like to um, 
I like to show them the positive side of the solution yeah. um, because a lot of times if we don't know that it's broken and if someone kind of brings that to our to our attention that you know hey this you know this isn't really working right or this hasn't been handled correctly then all we can focus on in on is the negative of of yeah. you know oh my gosh this is broken and now what do I do about it and so we kind of we kind of talk through the fact that um, this situation has a solution and that we can we can bring it to its full resolution uh, for them. I, this is where I, the selfish plug, right? This is a shameless promo and I get that. And I don't know. Um, this is where I think working with, with somebody like us, anytime mm -hmm. you're integrating a system, making a major change, working with somebody who cares deeply, because there's, it's very rare for us at this point to come across something and what we do that is, oh my goodness, I've never seen this before. That doesn't really right. happen anymore because we've done this hundreds and hundreds of times. Right. Um, and I think about this whenever like we implemented Salesforce or we've implemented HubSpot yeah. or any big systems that are those SaaS based, go buy it and implement it stuff, th that is difficult. Um, but whenever you have somebody that can point out, hey, you know, have you thought about this or what are you going to do with this? It's going to help you move along that project a lot quicker. And it, shamelessly, I feel like we do an excellent job at this, um, helping our clients identify, hey, you know what? This is a broken problem inside of your current systems that we can fix. Or this is a broken problem in your processes that makes their way to their systems that needs to be addressed. Um, having a third party just to shed some light on what's going on that has a little bit of expertise, I think is super, super important, especially anytime you're making a big system wide change like this. Another thing that's important to just remember, you know, if you're definitely, if you know that something is broken and you do need to make a change, I think even before you start looking at potential vendors, you do need to identify what level of service you expect in the process because that will dictate the type of vendor you end up choosing. Yeah. I think about like Ikea. I love Ikea. Like I love going there and getting products. Part of my house is Ikea, but man, me and my husband, we just sit there and fight. Like <laughs> it's like this is here we go, marriage therapy because, yeah. you know, us doing that process project together is a nightmare and inevitably someone gets frustrated, right? It's yeah. because the pictures, there's no instructions and <laughs> that's not the way that I build things. Um, and so I'm like, well, just let's send it to the task rabbit people, let them build it because then everyone yeah. wins and we're happy, you yeah. know? Uh, and so I think as a, as an owner or as a business leader, when you think about making those changes, you should be asking questions about what does implementation look like and how much does my team do versus how much does your team do? If you're really techie and you plan on implementing it and you know that's your skill set and you can you know handle those changes, great. Go get software out of the box and figure yep. it out. If you're a smaller organization and you really need expertise, you should be evaluating the vendor that is selling me this product. Can they also help me service it? So th those are just different decisions that I think are helpful for an owner or a leader to be thinking about big picture wise before they ever even choose a vendor or you'll be dissatisfied or um, change will be far more disruptive than you anticipated just because you didn't know from a service standpoint yeah. what it, you were getting. I think that's a good point because I think it's really easy as a business leader to make decisions based on what that desired future looks like. And sometimes that blocks the path to actually getting to that desired future. And so I can I can think about what this end goal is. Mm -hmm. But breaking that down into manageable, actual steps to get yep. there can sometimes be a little bit too granular, mm -hmm. um, uh, especially if I'm not involved in that stuff, uh, that it I lose sight of how much 
time, resources, effort it's going to take to actually get to that point. And when you do have somebody that can help you with that, uh, it makes a world of difference. But like you said, if you're, if you have that stuff nailed down and I'm perfectly capable of my own and I had the time and energy and I want to devote the time and energy to that, you know what? Maybe I don't need somebody and I'll just yeah. go knock it out myself. Yeah. In today's world, especially with, as software has just become such a big part of every organization, mm-hmm. it gets e- increasingly difficult to identify how much service, how much support I could get in any type of implementation. Yeah. Uh, I know in our world, we, you know, we deal primarily in the HCM space. HR, payroll services, benefits, that type of stuff. Um, There are new players coming into this market on a frequent basis. And a lot of them, a lot, a lot of them are very much, uh, here's my technology, have a great day. And it sounds great. And if you know all your stuff, go for it. But if you don't know all your stuff, and there's a lot of stuff to know, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt pretty quick. Um, Or you're going to find yourself in a system that replaced a broken system that's also already broken. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the part that is, uh, you feel like you're taking a step back yeah. or a parallel at best, and that's yeah. not ever fun. So one thing that we often talk about here is that status quo is never okay. One of our core values is to challenge it. Uh, we are always trying to find a way to get one step better. Uh, and that's that, that's true in the clients that we're serving. We want to help people get better in their systems and their processes and the, the different things that they have going on internally. Um, And so changing something is a way in which we're disrupting status quo, but it doesn't always have to be uh, extremely difficult for your employees to get on board with. And that's if you actually get the right people on board as early as possible, you communicate well, remember your big picture why is super important. It's giving your team a vision of what this end goal looks like so they can get on board and start to move in that same direction with you as quick as possible. So if you have any questions or want to follow up this conversation, you can email us at onestepbetteratworks.com and we would be glad to continue this conversation. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice and make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day.